0: Second Peter chapter one. We're we'll reading the first eleven verses. We'll read responsively. I'll read the odd verses. You'll join me on the even verses, please. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. According to his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, and beside this giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind, and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fail. And please join me in verse 11. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly unto the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're in
1: Second Peter, and we're going to be in there this month. The only place in the Bible where it says the preacher of righteousness in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5. It refers to a man named Noah. Noah preached and had a ministry of 120 years he preached. Preparing people for a massive judgment of water and the flood. Well, the problem was people had never seen rain. It had not rained before. And he is on dry ground building an ark, a boat. They think he's a nut. But in between putting boards together and getting gopher wood and pitching the outside of it, keeping the water out, and preparing for a day that when God would bring animals two by two in, he would preach. He would preach with his life and he would preach with his lips. And by the way, you do the same thing. You and I, are people are watching you, they're watching your life, they're listening to what you say, and you are reflecting the Lord Jesus Christ in a positive way or a negative way. You won't have 120 years to minister. But Noah did. Noah, God used him, and you say, Pastor, how do you use him? At the end of the time, his church grew to eight people. He preached 120 years and no one listened. He told them, it's going to be a flood. God's told me this. You need to prepare. I've got a place here. All you can come. Eight people came. Well, eight's not bad, except for it was his three sons and their wives and his wife. 120 years of preaching the righteousness of God, but people ignored it. Well, that's true today, too, to some extent. I'm grateful that God is still working in our hearts, in our midst, and most of us see more than that. I had more on the bus that I drove from Chicago today than Noah had after 120 years of ministry. But he preached the righteousness of God. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't easy. But it saved you and I wouldn't be sitting here today if he hadn't preached and he hadn't done what he was supposed to do. Because from he and his family, you and I are descendants. God destroyed the rest of the world because evil was on their mind continually. They did not. They did not want God, but God is always faithful in everyone's life. Listen, you and I, we go out and live like an idiot. We're immoral and we're run away from God or we're doing what we want to do. We turn our back on all that God gave to us. You went to City Baptist. You went to Hammond Baptist. You went to Sunday schools and youth camps. All that's invested in you and you go off and do your own thing. Knock yourself out, Spanky. But that's, that's going to be all on you. It's going to be all on you because you did not listen to what God did and it, it gave to you. And others are going to hurt because of you. God's bringing judgment. He's, he, is, he is very gracious. He's long-suffering to us for not willing that any would perish, but that everyone would come to repentance. A turn of mind. If you're here today, you're not sure if you were to die, you'd go to heaven. God loves you and He wants you to be saved. You're still alive today because of the mercies of God. And maybe today is the day God wants you, and He does, He wants you to be saved. Today is the day of salvation. If you and I are already saved, we ought to have everything within our hearts to say, God, I want to live for you the rest of my time. I don't want to live like an idiot. I don't want to live unfaithful to the Lord. So we're going to take a few services and walk through the book of 2 Peter. Of course, it's written after his namesake, Peter. Peter was the, the tall, most likely, strong-willed mouth of the 12 disciples. He followed John for a while. And then Andrew, his little brother, followed Jesus with John. And he went and told Peter, you got, you got to come. You got to go see Jesus. And he came and he dropped his nets at least one time, maybe two times. And he followed the Lord. He left his fishing business with John and James, the sons of Zebedee. And they too left the fishing business and followed Jesus for three and a half years. But he had to come to a place where he had to answer the love question. At the end of the ministry, Jesus goes to the cross. He's buried. He denies the Lord Jesus Christ and feels terrible, weeps bitterly and says, I, I don't want to do that. And no doubt the Lord Jesus forgave him. But after that, Jesus was kind of coming and going in their lives. And he, he finally is in frustration. I'm going to go fishing. I'm going to go back to doing what I did before I met Jesus. And all of us will have that temptation from time to time. He said, I'm just going to go back to doing fishing. And other people followed him. By the way, you don't make decisions and do things without affecting other people. Dad, you can do what you want to do, but you're, you're whistling the wind if you think it's not going to affect your children. Mom, you can do what you want to do, but you're whistling the wind if you think it doesn't affect your kids and your husband. And your neighborhood, single adults, you can do what you're going to do. And you can put whatever you want to on Facebook. And you can, you can show what you're doing here and there. And the questionable things and worldly things. And think, you know, it's my life. I'm only affecting me. You couldn't be more lied to than that. Whatever you do affects other people. And Peter said, I'm going fishing. I'm going back to what I did before I met Jesus. And they fished all night and caught absolutely nothing. They were total failures. And in the morning light as it was coming up, they saw a figure on the seashore cooking fish and bread. And that figure stood up and said, children, have you any meat? You can read this in John chapter 21. 22, 21. And they said, no, we didn't catch anything. One of the more frustrating things when you're out fishing, has caught anything? No. They said, no, we haven't. He said, why don't you cast your net on the other side? They'd already put things together. They said, yeah, all right, okay, we'll do it. And John says to Peter, maybe this is a little bit in the Greek here, but he says, deja vu. <laughs> this happened before with Jesus. I think that's Jesus, Peter. Peter looked over there. He doesn't have his shirt on. He has taken his shirt off and he feels embarrassed and, and he just jumps in the water. <laughs> jumps in the water to cover his nakedness and jumps in and, hey, give me my coat, give me my, my shirt. And he put, they put a shirt and they pull in a fish. they pull in 166 fish. Someone thinks it's the number of nations there were at the time. I don't know if that's true or not. But they're flopping under a, a net on the seashore there. Jesus invites them over to enjoy what they uh, fish and, and bread. And everything gets quiet and he says Simon son of Jonah he didn't call him by his name Peter Peter means rock Simon means a pebble it was his old name he said Simon little pebble over there not a follower of Jesus but a son of Jonah what you're known for in the world do you love me more than those things flopping around underneath that net over there that's going to be a good day at the market do you love me more than that? It got real quiet. And Peter said, well, you know, Lord, you know I'm fond of you. and I've been following you around for three and a half years. and yeah I, mean, yeah, I love you. It's kind of like all of us sometimes. We love him enough to go to church, at least Sunday morning. We love him enough to at least give our tithe. We don't give too much more than that. Not really moved by other things. We, you know, we do, we'll do something for you. I mean, I've been falling around for three and a half years. You know, I'm fond of you, Lord. He said, if you love me, then feed sheep. Feed the lambs. Take what I've given you and tell somebody else that. And he asked him again, and then the third time. Peter was kind of thick. He had to have things in three times. How many are like Peter in that way? Yeah, we're just kind of a little thick. It takes us a while to get it. Finally, he said, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And Peter was grieved and frustrated with that third question. Because he was asking him, he didn't ask him, are you talented, are you going to do this? He said, do you love me? It's a good question for all of us to ask, to answer today. Do we love the Lord? Do we love him enough to do what he asks us to do? Do we love him enough to commit everyone's commitment level to God can be answered in one word, L-O-V-E. Do you love me? Do you you love me enough to do this? Do you love me more than, because God has a lot of competition out there. That was the question that he asked Peter, do you love me? And he was grieved and hurt by that, but he answered correctly. He said, Lord, you know all things, and you know that I agape you. I love you, he said, then feed sheep. And Peter no doubt went to the market that day, cashed in. I don't think he probably did another fishing trip after that. He spent his life telling people about Jesus Christ, preaching the gospel. A few weeks later, he would see 3,000 people get saved in one day. A few weeks after that, he would see 5,000 more people come to know Christ through his ministry that the Holy Spirit did inside of him. And he spent his whole life witnessing to the Jewish people, specifically. He was the apostle to the Jews. Jesus professed to him and told him and prophesied, he said, you know, when you die, you won't be dying on your terms. You'll be dying and another man will gird you. And he he died as crucifixion. The same way that Jesus died, except for whenever they tell us historically that whenever it came time to be crucified, he said, would you just flip me upside down? I'm not worthy to die in the same fashion as my savior. Would you just turn the cross upside down? Let my head hang, my feet go up. And that time is coming for Peter. By the way, it's coming for you. It may not be a martyr's death, But all of us are looking down the barrel of time. That's why the Bible says, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. He's an old man now. I think it's probably why he could sleep very comfortably in Acts whenever he put him in jail and he was sleeping on the night. The next day he was supposed to get killed. They'd killed James, the other pastor of Jerusalem, and they arrested him, and he's sleeping through the night in the jail cell, and that's when Jesus comes. and. Kicks him, push, punches him in the side and wakes him up. And He was sleeping good because he knew he would not die as a young man. He knew he was going to die when he was old. He wasn't dying tomorrow morning no matter what they said because God had told him you're going to be older when you die. But he's getting ready to die and he sits down under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God and writes the book of 2 Peter. I want to encourage you to read it this, this month. Read it maybe a few times. Listen to it. It's got three chapters. One is an explanation, chapter one. Chapter two is an examination to be sure that you don't get caught up in false doctrine and false uh, pursuits. And chapter three is an exhortation to tell us to use the gift God has for us and and to serve Him with our whole heart and to grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When you read 2nd Peter you'll see several words keep popping up the words knowledge. He says grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Jesus. See what you know about Christ is a game changer too. Remember he said to people in Matthew, he said come to me all you labor heavy laden take my yoke upon you and what? Learn of me. So you learn about Pastor Wilkerson you're going to get discouraged. My wife's been discouraged for 31 years. But if you learn about Jesus, you'll be nothing but encouraged. He doesn't have any flaws. There's nothing wrong there. He does all things well. He's the same. He's consistent yesterday, today, and forever. You'll see the word knowledge. You'll see the word righteousness. That's our theme for the year, preachers of righteousness. You'll see that seven or eight times in the book of 2 of Peter, because as you get longer in your life, one thing you ought to concentrate on as you age, like Brother Froki is over here. You need to be focused on righteousness. I love Brother Froki. I just like teasing him. Everybody likes to tease him. I don't know why. Maybe because he teases us. But as you age, you ought to be focused on, am I going to finish my course right? No, Jesus, he's before all things. He's the source of all things. He's the force of all things. And uh, by him, all things consist. And he's the course of all things. Everything is coming to him. Everything is by him. Everything is for him. And it's coming to him. It's to him. You're you're on your way. Every one of us are on our way to Jesus. Just a few days, you're going to stand before Jesus, and I will too. Won't be able to blame your husband or your wife or your mama or your dad or your youth pastor. You won't be able to raid your teacher. You won't be able to say the hypocrites in my life. No, no, you'll stand by yourself and you'll answer to God for your decisions. Well, Peter is winding down. He knows, like Apostle Paul is writing 2 Timothy and 2 Peter, he knows that time is short. He's going to be, he's going to be crucified shortly. And he writes and says, listen. Know Jesus, grow in Jesus, and live your life doing the right thing. Listen to the preachers of righteousness. Let's look at it if we can, please. Our time is going to go quickly. We'll pick it up this evening at the six o'clock service. I hope you're back for that. Verse number one, Simon Peter, i tell you what, let me do this real quick. Would you, would you do this for me? Let's look first of all at verse eight. Read it with me, would you? Chapter 1, verse 8, everyone. For if these things be in you and abound, or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? So verse 8 talks about being fruitful. Verse 9, read it with me, would you please? But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sin. This one talks about being able to see, vision, fruitfulness, and vision. Verse number 10, let's read it together. Can we please, everybody? Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do, you'll be stable. You know, as a pastor, as a dad, as a Christian, those are things all of us want. We want to be fruitful. We want to have vision to see what's really going on out there. And we want to be stable and not fall. And that's kind of what old, the old man Peter wants. And he, in every one of those verses, he referenced these things. He's going to start with faith. He's going to continue, he says, your faith in God and the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and His power and His promises, you're going to be able to have spiritual growth. And you're going to work diligence, you're going to work to add these things to your life. There's seven of them that are listed there. Then you will be fruitful, you won't be unbarren. You won't be barren, you won't be unfruitful. You're going to be actually productive. It's tragic to me that people will live a lifetime, be saved 10, 12, 20, 30, 40 years in the same church and look around and they see nobody there because of them directly. You know what that is? And don't be unkind to you, that's unfruitful. So Pastor, I tell you what, I can preach messages and hundreds can hear the gospel. You need to get somebody saved. You need to work with somebody. Well, you know, you're not going to believe this. I can type so many words a minute. That's wonderful. But you need to talk to someone about Jesus. Pastor, I've I've driven driven a bus thousands and hundreds of thousands of miles without an accident. Wonderful. You need to talk to someone about Jesus. Pastor, you would not believe how well I can play my instrument. In the orchestra, I I know it's everybody together, but if you could just hear mine, it's unbelievable. But you need to win someone to the Lord. You need to be spiritually productive. And Peter, at the end of his life, is saying, listen, I want you to be fruitful. And I want you to be able to see what's really going on. I want you to be able to see things afar off, not just nearsighted, thinking about what's happened on this Sunday, October the 4th, but think about what God is doing around the world a little bit farther away from here. See, Pastor, why do we have to go through those missionary, uh, you know, slides, and you keep pushing us to give to missions? Because that's a far off. And when God thinks he's not thinking about Ham, Indiana only, he's thinking about the whole world. And when you and I get captivated with things that are far off, then he'll get excited about what's going on inside of me and inside of you in our little world. We get excited about God's big world, he get excited about your little world. Had one of her precious ladies, and she was out making visits on the bus route in Soul Winning with her little boy. I think he's seven or eight years old. And while they were walking from one house to another house, she said, oh, I've got so much to do at the house. I've got the dishes to do, and I've got laundry to do this afternoon. I just, I need to get back pretty soon. And her little seven-year-old said, well, Pastor, you, honey, mommy, you know what Pastor says? If you get a heart for God's big world, who'll get a heart for your little world? She said, thank you, son. Thank you very much. He said, Pastor, he's listening to you. <laughs> well, praise the Lord. I hope more people listen to me. Amen. But she said, no, Pastor, I went home, and all that stuff I was so burdened about while I was out so winning. God did help me get it done. He helped me get my, my laundry done. He helped me get the things done I was so burdened about when I was out there. He just helped me make it easier. Oh, all of us ought to be fruitful. All of us ought to see the bigger vision. And all of us ought to be stable so we don't fall that we don't get removed from the wonderful joy of salvation. With that in mind, let's look, if we can, and, and I just, uh, we'll just start with the first thought, and that is faith. Look at verse one. Simon Peter, the servant of the, and the apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that obtained a like precious, what? Faith. Faith is the most important thing about you, friend. The most important thing about you and me is what comes to our mind when we think about God. Do you think about great, powerful, loving, in your corner. He cares about you. He's not messing around with you. He, he loves you. If you're a man or a woman, if you live in Chicago or Hebron, if you live in Calumet City or you live in Michigan City, it doesn't matter. He loves you. If you're single or you're married, if you're, a, if you're an orphan or you live in a family that, that has brought you into this world and kept you and steered you right, if you go to Sydney Baptist or Hammond Baptist, if you're at Howells Anderson College or you're at Purdue Northwest, wherever you are, God loves you. Do you think about that? He says, a precious faith. And a precious faith it means beyond value to calculate. We oftentimes think, you know, people even say this, oh, I've lost my faith. I've lost my faith. And speak to faith, you know, oh, are you a person of faith? Yes. The faith in God is, is so valuable, it's beyond your the faith. The Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith. Faith is the core of you. And everybody has faith. I've gone to talk to guys and I said, no, what do you believe in? Well, I believe my God can be the doorknob over there. I said, I feel sorry for you. You want a doorknob to be your God? It's crazy. But you know, everybody has faith. We drove here on faith that the guy in the right lane would stay in his lane while you're going beside him, that the person across the way is going to stay over there. You ate breakfast, you'll drink a cup of coffee. I drank a cup of coffee this morning by faith that the person that made it didn't put in it. Some places you get coffee, you're not sure what's gonna happen there. Uh, did you say three and two, eight? How about, oh yeah, I think you'll like it. Yeah, a mile down the road, you realize you're gonna, got so much sugar, you can't even see straight. But you know, I had, I had to have faith in, in the, we have faith in everybody. Then all of a sudden we struggle with faith in God. He says, number one, everything starts with faith. Because from faith, You begin to spiritually grow. And growth leads you to a place of fruitfulness, vision, and stability. When we're a train wreck, it's because we we don't have fruitfulness. We might know a lot about everything, but we're not helping anybody on a personal level. We're not able to see things as God sees them. If you're negative and you're frustrated with it, you know, I, I can get frustrated with what the world system is and watching this, but the truth of the matter is, it's an it's a aha moment when you realize this world's going to get worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. I don't think that's... What we ought to ask ourselves is, what's America coming to? You ought to ask what God is doing. What's God doing in our neighbor across the street and the guy that works with me and the lady that I saw at the convenience store? What's God doing? And when we, when we understand that we have a vision and then we, we're stable, we don't fall. You know, I think what I would want for you and I hope you want for me is that we'll be fruitful, we'll have clear vision spiritually, and we won't be an idiot and fall and hurt others in the process. And that comes as we settle our faith As we grow in our spirit, then the results are beneficial altogether.